Welcome back to the Bhagavad Gita in a Year podcast. I'm Radha, and I'm here with my friends, uh, Gokul and Russell. And and our teacher, Chaitanya Charan. So today we are on day 51 of our journey through the Bhagavad Gita. And we will start with chapter 3, text 22, where Krishna is talking to Arjuna about... I'm sorry? Day 52. Day 52? Day 52. Okay, day 52. Where so chapter three, text twenty-two, where Krishna is talking to Arjuna about acting um for the good of humanity. Yes. So acting is an example. So let's begin with the this verse. Name parthasti kartavyam trishuloke shukinchana. O son of Pritha, there is no work prescribed for me within all the three planetary systems, nor am I in want of anything, nor have I a need to obtain anything, and yet I am engaged in prescribed duties. So now here Krishna is continuing the thread of thought about what, how to determine what is the right thing to do. And he is talking about a hypothetical situation where if Arjuna or someone like Arjuna is at a level of mature renunciation, then does the person still need to act in the world or can they renounce the world? And Krishna is saying, yes. Why to set an example? And now he is giving his own example for this purpose. Now let's we'll have to take a little bit of a big picture of the Gita. Now within the Gita, it's a discussion between Krishna and Arjuna. Krishna is is a focused teacher. That means Krishna doesn't have to brag about his position except, uh, repeatedly. Some teachers say that they will come to teach physics in a class, but when they're teaching physics, they are constantly saying, okay, you know, when I was speaking this point in in, my, in Princeton when I was asked to give a class over there. Oh, you know, I was speaking this topic here. They just do what is called a name, name dropping to try to gain prestige. So somebody could be an insecure teacher who does a lot of dropping of names and positions uh, that I have this degree and I have this qualification and I have this scholarship and I have this much research grant. Why do you need to tell all that? Just focus on the subject. So like that, Krishna is a very focused teacher. Although he is God, he is not repeatedly going about speaking, I am God, I am God, I am God. No, he is focused on the subject. Till now, in the Bhagavad Gita, it's the only place where Krishna has spoken about his divinity is in 2.61. 
And there also, it's just been an indirect reference. I don't just control your senses. After controlling the senses, focus them on me. Yukta Asita Matpara. So it's also just 261B. So it's, we're talking here about references to Krishna's divinity or Krishna's supremacy. So we could say that it is implied in the title Shri Bhagavan Vacha. That is what is being used. But then the Shri Bhagavan, that is, is it can refer to God, but it is also Narada is also called Bhagavan Narada or Bhagavan Vyasa. So even a person in whom God is present, that person can also be called as Bhagavan. So it's not a exclusive title for God alone. Hmm? Although it is used sometimes exclusively for God, but not always. But here, for the first time, in the third chapter, 22 to 24, Krishna will talk over three verses about his position. Hmm? Afterwards, again, and then only the next chapter, when again Arjuna asks the question from 4.5 to 15, Krishna will talk about his position again. But here... Okay. Can, can I ask, when you say Sri Bhagavan Vacha, that's, that's Bhagavan said, what is this in reference to? Is that said is, somewhere? About Krishna's position, that Krishna is God. The Gita but, is not emphasizing that Krishna is God. So now, of course, Krishna is not saying, I am Bhagavan. Sri Bhagavan Vacha is used in the Mahabharata to refer to Krishna. So that is an indicator of his position. Hmm? Oh, but within, oh. the content, within the content of Krishna's speech, there are not many references to his divinity. Hmm. Okay. So when you say the Bhagavad Gita, it can refer to the entire text or it can refer to Krishna's speech within that text. So I was taking both perspectives. So where are the references to divinity, Krishna's divinity within the entire text? And within Krishna's speech. Oh, okay. So mm, Gita can so we are focusing on Krishna's speech, but as a I was just referring to the entire text also. Mm. Okay, and so, you were saying in all those verses it it talks about Krishna's divinity. 261, 322 through the 24, and then again in chapter four. Only, only these verses. Very these are very few verses as compared to the sheer number of second chapter had 72 verses. Mm -hmm. Krishna starts speaking from the 11th verse. Since Krishna has spoken 62 verses. But in that, one-fourth of one verse is all that he talks about his position. Okay, and so in that, you're making the point that he, in this in, in this entire, um, in the entire Gita, it, he only talks about himself a few times, so he's not puffing himself up. Yes, exactly. So, now he does talk about his divine position in the seventh chapter onwards. And there's a reason for that, which we'll come to when we come to the seventh chapter. But here, when Krishna is talking about his divine position, his self-reference to his divinity, it is, it is purposeful, it is not gratuitous. Gratuitous means it's unnecessary. It's uh, it's purposeful. It has a particular intention. So, 
Sometimes there's in movies there might be gratuitous violence or gratuitous sex, just so that they can get some cheap thrills which will attract some audience. But uh, what is Krishna's reference is purposeful. He is giving an example of the principle that he gave in the previous verse. The principle was that that we all need to act in a way that will be a good example for society. And to set a good example of society, he gave the example of Janaka of the previous section. He, said he gave the principle in the previous words. And before that, he gave a historical example of Janaka, the king. And now he is going to give a contemporary example, that is his own example, over the Contemporary means contemporary at that time, not contemporary for us today. Contemporary example, his own. So to give his example, why is it significant for Krishna that he is doing his duty? He starts by talking about his position, that there is no duty described for him. Now the word duty, we have discussed earlier that we are all parts of certain holes that are bigger than ourselves. And when we take something, we need to give something in return. And this giving, this becomes our duty. So, now in, the, in Krishna's case, he is the Lord, he is the sustainer of everything. Because he is the sustainer of everything, he doesn't have any duty. So Krishna has, he said, no duty at all. Now, not only that, now if somebody is, doesn't have a duty, like say, people work, when somebody has a job, now their job because they, they, they have an obligation over there. Okay, I'm taking a salary. I, I'm expected to do this. But if they don't have an obligation, maybe they have some aspiration. Hmm? That, oh, now I have a good house right now, but I want a bigger house. I want a bigger car. Or I want to pay my pay for my student's child's, child's education, whatever. So Krishna is saying that he has no obligation for Krishna. And he has no desire also that there's nothing that I need, nothing that I want, and therefore there's no duty for me. And yet, he says, I am engaged in duty. So one who is taking nothing, that person is not obliged to give anything back. Because they're not taking anything. Krishna had hypothetically talked about this, this category of people in 317, a few verses ago. And he says that such people, they don't have to act but they have no reason to not act also. For them, either way is similar. But for certain example, they can act. So here, how can there be a person? How can Krishna have no obligation? Because he is God. So that's the implication. He is God, the source of everything, the sustainer of everything. He has no obligation. So it's more like a passing reference rather than somebody saying that uh, I have studied in Harvard 
तो somebody stitching say surgery okay in harvard when we faced a similar predicament a similar uh, complicated case then that's what we did at that time so as person is telling i was in harvard but that's not the emphasis this is what we did over there so it's more of a passing reference rather than a uh, rather than a unintentional rather than a intentional reference for just bloating oneself up and that same thing continues in the next verse also as krishna is speaking okay so he's he's really trying to teach us something here by saying yeah. i'm i have no desire or obligation but i act to set an example so he's like the highest example of that and in that he's also inferring that he's god yes he's he's not inferring he's implying implying implied. yeah infer infer is what the audience can do mm. if i make a statement i imply something in the statement and then sure. you can infer something from it yeah right thank you any other comments questions यदि अहम अहम न वर्तेयम जातु कर्मण्यतन्रिता मम वर्तमानु वर्तन्ते मनुष्यः पार्थ सर्वशः For if I ever fail to engage in carefully performing prescribed duties O Partha certainly all men would follow my path So and this answers the question why would krishna need to do his duty because the it becomes clear why is talking about it is it is doesn't want to no wrong example if he doesn't do it duty he says others will also follow me yadi hum jatu karmani atanrita atanrita means attentively in one sense krishna Uh, when he descends to this world and he fights against the demons and he kills the demons so krishna doesn't have to do all that krishna could say that everybody is suffering their own everybody is suffering their own karma he doesn't have to he is not bound to do it okay the demons did some karma in the past by which they became powerful their victims they had done some karma in the past because of which they are in the position of being victims now but krishna doesn't see simply in terms of karma krishna says this is my duty he is not bound to so he does it because he he is the benefactor he is the well wisher of everyone as the benefactor and wisher he wants the good for others so let's see how he continues that theme the next verse उपहन्यांग here krishna is speaking about a reference to arjuna's reasoning earlier 
that he is saying that that yadiham navartiyam utsideyurme loka he says that if he uses the word sankara in this 24th text and sankara refers to uh unwanted progeny or you could say bad population just like every country it we want immigrants to come from other countries but if one country says to another country that mm -hmm, oh, oh we will send all our criminals over there to you mm -hmm. then nobody will want the criminals from one country to come to another country mm -hmm. so I, russell to and i am in australia now there's a joke about australia and uh, mm -hmm. uk britain they would say oh australia that's the country where we send all our criminals and australia they say oh uk that's the country from where all the criminals come <laughs> so that is a, so either way in the past this was seen as a place for deportation of unwanted elements hmm? but uh, that's not the only way it, uh, so so in general society cannot function if its population is all bad it's not a, if it's a law there'll always be some bad apples some law breakers but if everyone is a law breaking person then society cannot function properly so arjuna had said earlier in chapter 1 he had referred to this particular thing itself in One forty to forty-four, he had said that if I fight, fighting will lead to sankara. So, Krishna is turning Arjuna's argument around back on him in one sense. Arjuna had said in the first chapter that if I fight, it will lead to bad population. If I fight, it will lead to the leaders of society being killed. When leaders of society will be killed, then there will be no protectors. Then unscrupulous elements will come and exploit, and society will be flood, flooded with bad population. But Krishna, this was this was Arjuna's thinking. But Krishna's thinking is, you could say, the exact opposite. He says, "You don't fight. Mm -hmm. That will lead to the same thing: bad population." So. If a patient is saying that if I take this treatment, I'll become sick, the doctor says you are afraid. You are afraid of becoming sick. If you don't take this treatment, you are going to become even sicker. So if if you are afraid of sickness, yeah, the treatment may cause some sickness, but you are going to have bigger sickness by that way by not uh, not taking the treatment also. So now Arjuna's reasoning at that time was, as I mentioned, that. If he fights, then so much bloodshed on both sides. Leaders of society will be killed. The leaders of society are killed, then there will be chaos in society. But here, when Krishna is talking, 
he's saying that afa that might happen just temporarily for some time but what you are going to do if you set a if if a bad example is set people for a long long time will justify their wrong actions by so it is a long time precedent long lasting precedent will be set that you can do wrong and you can get away by doing wrong and that is unhealthy that is toxic so there is a significant concern for people to make sure that the world's order is being maintained say for example if once cops if there there are there are crowds that are rioting there is a rioting crowd and the cops see the running rioting crowd and the cops run away now if the cops run away what is what does that mean not only will the rioters continue to riot but also the common people will be able to do even more rioting because they will also say, oh, there's no no order over here let's all do the same thing let's also riot it's a it's a day, free day for us to do whatever we want that will spell disaster so that's something which cannot be afforded and that's why krishna is saying arjuna you have i am doing my duty and similarly you should also be doing your duty and both of them in one sense are far sighted arjuna is also looking to the future he is not just saying oh i do i want to do this because i don't feel good about it and i want you to do it because i'll feel good about it no both of them krishna and arjuna they are both far sighted or at least both are you could say thinking about the future <coughs> but who is more accurate like so two people are doing weather forecast and both of them are concerned about what is going to come but who is who is say what kind of weather is going to come but whose weather forecast is more accurate so krishna has given elaborate reasoning over here that because of these 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 reasons because in this particular way if you neglect your duty that will lead to the very thing that you fear and therefore if you want to avoid such a fear some situation it is vital that you fight not that you give up your fighting okay so any reflections or questions here Now, so Krishna is saying that by fighting you, you provide an example for people to follow, and that will keep society in order. Is people need yeah. good leaders to follow their examples, and in the absence of that, it's chaos, and, and people become less dharmic. Exactly true. Mm-hmm. So let's summarize. what we discussed today so broadly speaking we discussed again two verses and three verses actually the 22 onwards so i talked about first is krishna's reference to his position why it comes over here it is never 
gratuitous it is purposeful whenever he does it is not just because he likes to brag about his position it serves a particular purpose some specific purpose in the within the context of the discussion and then in this context krishna's divinity is talked about to illustrate um, how his dutifulness it is not at all obligatory it is completely voluntary and he is doing it voluntarily for setting an example it's not obligatory because he has neither any desires nor any wants needs so he does not he does not need to do anything it's voluntary for setting an example and the implication is that if krishna is setting an example so should arjuna and to take it further krishna talks about how krishna overturns arjuna's argument about bad population that he says that it is not by fighting that bad population will come rather by not fighting it will come so arjuna thought it will come by fighting but krishna says no not by fighting and that will happen by he not fighting and therefore he should mm-hmm. be fighting to set a example in society of doing duty even amidst difficulty thank you very much thank Hare you krishna